today, Hester and I are both recording from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This week, Marty, I've also been on the lands of the Gadigal people in Sydney and had the most amazing welcome to country and smoking ceremony there where we learned all about why smoking ceremonies are done and we were able to bathe ourselves in the scent and the song of the Gadigal land and it was an incredible experience and really had me thinking about how grateful we are doing on this land, but also how poorly we treat it compared to the traditional owners. So I am especially grateful this week to the traditional custodians and owners of the land, which we live and work on this week. This episode of The Significant Others is sponsored by Spray Oz, a female founded and led company that specializes in organic tanning. It's the kind of tan your skin will thank you for because Spray Oz is packed full of nourishing plant and fruit oils so you get a beautiful post-holiday glow without any sun damage or travel debt. Girl bosses M McKay and Elle Pearson have three studios in South Yarra, Moody Ponds and Richmond for the perfect spray tan and their at-home products are available online at sprayoz.com.au. Thank you Spray Oz for making this episode of The Significant Others possible. Hey Hester, it's good to be talking with you again. How has your week been? Hey Mads, it's been a pretty wild week, hasn't it? Evidenced by the fact that you are recording from your car today. (laughs) I am on the side of the road and there was a garbage truck that just went past and a couple of trains. So if you do hear anything, um, it's just me on the streets of Melbourne. I have just finished the first activity or the first program with Making the Call. It's one of three days that we will have together that is Making the Call with Lucy and Emma Race. Um, And I've just met some spectacular women. We love them. Yeah, we absolutely love them. And I've just spent the last couple of hours with some incredible women who are looking at developing their skills and moving into the broadcasting space and just diversifying that voice that we hear on the tally and the radio a little bit more. And I'm pretty full of beans at the moment. I'm pretty energized and excited. Oh, that's so exciting. And this is a program that you did last year. That's right. Yeah. So I did the pilot program for Making the Call last year and now they're running their second season and we find a way to get represented every season, don't we? Well, I mean, for two of us and they've had two rounds of it. <laughs> so <laughs> if they go ahead in the future, I, I sincerely hope that maybe one of us becomes a guest speaker <laughs> for their future ones. <laughs> but they've had some really great success out of your cohort, Hester, and it's really, really exciting and it's just one of those opportunities that you know is going to make a difference and people are so excited to be connected and have a common passion I mean yours was very football centric or AFL centric and this one's a bit more diverse in terms of the sports but sport is still a grounding foundation for this program I'm so excited yeah and we know that having that representation in our sports broadcast does mean so much and it does really make a difference and people want to hear it I definitely want to hear it I'd love to hear you on the commentary team, Mads. Is that in your future, do you reckon? I don't know. I don't know exactly where I will end up or what particular path I'm going to pursue, but it's good to learn things along the way. 
Hess, what have you been up to? Well, I've been spending some time with the Ray sisters this week as well. I went in to the ABC studios to have an interview with the incredible Emma and Lucy Race and, of course, Rana Hussein, our extra special expert guest from last week. So it was a bit of a table switch moments where I interviewed Rana last week and she interviewed me this week. So that was really fun and always such an honour for me. I did just have a little listen to the episode then and everybody should listen to it, not necessarily my one in particular but if you're not listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast you are missing out and one thing that I did notice that was cut from my section was where I talked about how much I love the Outer Sanctum podcast so just to put that back in now you know the Outer Sanctum podcast was really one of the absolute leaders in getting diverse and female voices into the footy commentary and broadcast landscape by taking that on themselves and they're such an incredible team of women and they're so supportive Emma and Lucy have now branched out to starting making the call to help other women get their voices heard in this way. But those women, all of them have given us so much support as well in starting this podcast. And I did share your little joke with them after the recording, Marty, where you said, after we've had so many of their regular members on as guests on our show, it did sort of start to feel like we were the spin-off show for The Outer Sanctum. And what was it you said? You said if they're keeping up with the Kardashians... Yes, if they are keeping up the, with the Kardashians, then we're like Kim and Courtney take New York or <laughs> one of those other really <laughs> awful reality TV shows that come off the side of it. But yeah, so from the Outer Sanctum, we obviously had Lucy Race the other week and after having Rana too, we probably skipped over our guests a little bit and their stories that we usually like to have a little bit of post-interview chat about. So should we start with Trent's interview because there were some like big stories that he shared with us that were like jaw-dropping. How about Trent's life? Like, wow. I feel like you could absolutely, in all honesty, make a movie about Trent's life. And all of that in the space of six or seven years. Yeah, such a short period of time, so many stories. It, it was one that so many people have just messaged me about and been like, oh, my God what a cool man like what an awesome story and life like we kind of I guess forget that like your early 20s you can be pretty you know people travel and they do Europe for a few months and whatnot but to actually be like based out of LA and have such a legitimate high pressure high stakes job at 24 as well that time frame for me is a bit warped when I look at Trent now like you know he just cruises on down the coast and has a surf and his daughter Ruby was playing dinosaurs with my kids last night I'm like was that really you like in a war zone and then you know Beyonce knows your name is that the same guy it's such a specific experience that he's had you know so specific to his life and I've never really thought about the life of a cameraman and I think that's possibly something that not a lot of people have thought about either so hopefully that was a really good example of the fact that there might be a bunch of people out there who've met Trent through Rebecca and not realized that he also has some absolutely golden stories to share if you ask him about them and then probably like flipped a full 180 the week after with Amy, someone I could relate so much to. And she spoke about quite a few things in her relationship and how she struggled with her identity and her work that was all sort of combined there that I found myself, you know, really nodding along with Trent. I don't think I had much in common with, but Amy, yeah, I could really relate. And I think regardless of your partner playing sport or not, when you start to make compromises for something that you're so tied to, and for her, it was her career career, then that 
is relatable to a lot of women across a lot of industries. Yeah, I agree. I felt like I related a lot to what Amy had to say and it's, you know, we named the episode Always a Worker because we felt like that was such an integral part of Amy's personal identity. It felt like she, she felt like she was always working and that was so deeply connected to who she was and that was something that I really related to, you know, I felt like as soon as I was 14 and nine months I went out and got a job at the Coles checkouts and I had, you know, three jobs at the same time during high school and that was really important to me to have that independence and to work hard and then to find yourself in this situation where you either have to sidestep or tone down or even, you know, quit the job you're doing or even just be confronted with the stereotype that people assume that's the position you're in is really strange. And obviously this is a discussion that touches on privilege a lot. We're very privileged to be in that position, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect your personal identity to feel like you've lost something that's so important to who you are. Yeah, and I guess, you know, this happens a lot for people when they become parents too. And there is a privilege with being able to stay home, but there's also people that going back to work actually doesn't make sense for them when it comes to parenting and that they would maybe prefer to because it does help them with their identity and their self-worth and all of that. And it doesn't, you know, financially or for whatever reason, it wouldn't work out for them to return to work, even though that would be their preference. So it does swing both ways, but it is the negative connotation when it's, I think it's so easy when you don't have children that people will judge. And and the reality is her relationship probably wouldn't have flourished because she would never have seen her partner. And there's always, you know, there's always a conversation for, well, give it a go and see what happens. And, you know, it worked out for the best for them. It, it's a beautiful relationship and partnership that they have. And you can always, you know, like she could always come back to work. She could always come back, rely on, you know, lean on her work ethic and her connections and her education and everything that she pursued. But the negative connotation does come when, as she said, you know, I didn't want to be just another partner of a footballer who lives off that that lifestyle. And she verbalised that assumption, that stereotype. The stereotype was quite obvious for her to point out and to want to avoid. And it's really funny because at the end, who cares? At the end of the day, it's your life. At the end of the day, they're your choices to make. And if you're happy and your relationship is worth it and you can do it, then good on her. Yeah, I agree. I think there's actually something really strong in being able to make choices and prioritize what you want. I think sometimes we can see, you know, being a strong woman or being a feminist as one certain path that looks like not making changes to your life in air quotes for a man or for a romantic partner. It looks like not taking steps back at work. But perhaps to me, the real crux of it is having the freedom, not just physically, but also socially to do what's right for you. And if what's right for her is to be with her partner, see where their relationship goes, move her work online, then good for her. That's a strong move. I think that's really brave. Hess, I love that you had the opportunity on The Outer Sanctum to really reiterate what we're doing on this podcast and why we're doing it. I think sometimes I'm losing sight a little bit. Not losing sight, but I just want to make sure that like we're doing this for the right reasons and because that 
stereotype and that label made us feel like crap and it made us feel small. And it was, as you said, it was, it's lazy. It's a really lazy tag to put on people. So I loved that you had an opportunity on a really big platform like the Outer Sanctum to just touch base with that again and make sure that the reason for us doing this podcast is still front and center. So I appreciate that you went on and were able to articulate that so clearly. I did say that a really, really big problem for me with the term WAG is just that it's not inclusive. It's very heteronormative and I don't see how that is relevant or okay in today's society. And I think that that sort of inclusion also plays a big part in why we started this podcast and why we try and keep it going. You know, we do recognize that we've been given this platform and in many ways, it's a very white and very privileged platform. So we can ignore it or we can try and share it and that is the aim here to bring on as many people as we can with different experiences to share with you and also I mean hopefully this is very evident to anyone listening but also elevating female sport is um, always top of our minds. I am looking forward to next week as well, Hester. We've got another non-AFL affiliated guest on so I'm loving like crossing over to different codes and different realms. It's very exciting and I think we've got a very new uh, social topic that's coming up next week as well, which is really exciting. And hopefully next week I'll be able to tell you about Ben's first game as a demon. Oh, first game, ooh, in the new colours and back from injury and everything. That's amazing. Against the old team as well. Oh, that's really, really exciting for Ben. I hope he has a great day. Pat spoke about it a couple of weeks ago on our little review of just how it is a different game playing against your old team that you were so invested in. And Hess, it's the same for you watching it. You know, you were emotionally invested. You mentioned that on the Outer Sanctum this week that you've got to, <laughs> you know, maybe protect your heart a little bit more this time. But um, no, I can, I can imagine that you will be firmly behind Ben and the Melbourne Demons. So that's really exciting. Can't wait to watch. Go Dees. Talk to you next week. See you then, Hess.